nobody there It seems I'm all alone again Does anybody care? This planet's empty I see no signs of life Please don't tell me that the human race did not survive There are no people in the future There are no people There are no people in the future No people at all There are no people in the future Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future Let me try my people call Hey everybody, 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 welcome, welcome, yes, it is Friday, September 22nd, 2023, welcome to Raging Chicken's Friday Politics Roundup, this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken, each week we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics, you can help support this show and all the work we do by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month, head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. You can also help out the show by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. And if you're one of our awesome podcast listeners, make sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on. Or leave a comment to let other folks know why you like the show. Little things like this help other people find the show. On today's show, well, UAW readies to expand their strike as the new deadline approaches. Republicans are ready to shut down the government because, well, just because, I guess. Biden administration announces the creation of the American Climate Corps. Huge deal. Penridge School Board now starts to face lawsuits in response to their unaccountable, extremist, and potentially illegal practices. Darren Lawson's lawsuit against the school board for its secret book banning heads to court this Tuesday at Bucks County Courthouse in Doylestown. And ABSCUF negotiations continue as the Pashi administration continues to do its best to invest in PR while gutting faculty and programs. We'll take a quick look at some numbers for some some perspective. For more PA Progressive Talk, tune to the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern. There's YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe to his podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Check on the ricksmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. And you've got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast if you haven't already. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. And The Signal is a new podcast from the Bucks County Beacon. The Signal is hosted by the Beacon's editor-in-chief, Cyril Michaleko, and produced by yours truly. Twice a month, The Signal shines a light on right-wing extremist currents streaming through Bucks County and beyond. Cyril invites guests that can provide insight, analysis, and organizing solutions so that we can steer the community toward calmer, saner, progressive roots. You also got to check out their brand new Gen Z-focused and Gen Z-hosted podcast called The Civic Circle. You can check out both those podcasts by heading over to the buckscountybeacon.podbean.com for all the details. And just hit that subscribe button wherever you subscribe to your podcast. For all you gamers out there, The Game In, that's with two N's, The Game In is a Quaker Town-based black family-owned gaming store. Friends of the show, they got everything for Retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops. You gotta check them out. Look for something hard to get, they've got you covered. Check them out at their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at, at The Game In, that's with two N's. Shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. 
A special shout-out goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at SongAdayMan. That's with two N's, at SongAdayMan on Twitter. Look, everybody, want progressive future? We need progressive media support. Pull no punches, homegrown progressive media today. Become a patron of Raging Chicken for as little as five bucks a month. Simply go to patreon.com slash rcpress. We're here for the fight. We need you. Become a patron for the price of a good beer once a month. Help keep the media in the movement in the media. Become a patron for as little as five bucks a month by going to patreon.com slash rcpress today. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I hope you all are doing well. Good morning, Amy. I see you in chat. Um... Yeah, so it's a Friday, and uh, let me just start by saying this. Uh, I, I'll tell you off, off right off the top that it's going to be a short show because, uh, I, I don't know, this has been like the weirdest uh, beginning of my fall semester uh, teaching that I've had in a long time. Um, <clears throat> I was sick during my first week of, of classes, the first time in the, in the entire time that I've been teaching that I've missed my first day of classes. I mean, that's been, that's just messed up. I mean... Um, but I literally could not get out of bed and um, probably went back to work sooner than I should have, um, but then eventually recovered from that. And then the beginning of this week, uh, you may have heard this a little bit on uh, Out to Coop Live on Monday night, um, but I had a nasty cold, um, missed another day of, uh, day of work. Um, I, I did everything I could just to get through the show on Monday, um, but I really wanted to be there for that show because that was, uh, you know, we had Emily Smith and Sarah McAleco for the Bucks County Beacon on great conversation. Um, but, uh, yep, did that. And uh, that was probably all I remember for the next 24 hours. <laughs> We're done with that. So it just been, uh, you know, so then it was, you know, out on Tuesday, dragged myself back on Wednesday. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> wake up this morning and I don't know if you can see it. Uh, probably can't see it so well on the camera, but, uh, I've got, I woke up with a big puffy eye and, uh, you know, I've had eczema around this and stuff like that, but it's flared up today. like my, and so I've got to get this taken care of today. Um, it's just been one thing after the other and it's, you know, it's a little frustrating. I mean, you know, getting old sucks, I guess. Um, but it's been one thing after the other. I mean, this eye thing is not something that is, uh, it's not, you know, brand new to me. I've always had this kind of the eczema flares up, especially when my allergies get really bad and there's crap in the air and all this kind of stuff. And then if I get sick, that's something I have to exacerbate it. So whatever. I mean, I'm telling you much more than you need to know. But anyways, that's the reason for we're going to have just a kind of a short show. But I wanted to kind of hop on today because, you know, there's a ton of stuff going on. And um, maybe alert you to a couple things, um, things that uh, take a look at, um, take a look at and know that's coming coming up. Uh, dramatically scaled back what I was, was going to talk about today, but there. But um, first and foremost, let's get into this. Uh, UAW has basically set a, a noon deadline today to whether or not they are going to uh, strike, and um, or I'm sorry, whether they're going to expand their strikes. Um, if there has not been significant um, significant uh, developments and in their negotiations. Uh, indications are that, um, it is, the strike is, is likely, um, but, you know, we shall see, um, the, uh, I thought I had this up, where is it going? Um, uh, Sean Fain is, uh, planning on giving the uh, UAW president, uh, giving a uh, Facebook Live right about now at 10 o'clock. 
So uh, let me go. I'm going to see if I can grab that and um, <clears throat> and see if uh, he is already live. Um, user from last week. As you can hear that, that's the uh, the music. So I'm just going to mute that right now. So uh, if he comes on, maybe we'll go ahead and we'll kind of play a little bit here. Um, the live stream is starting soon. And the expectation, I think, at this point is that these strikes are going to indeed expand. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of monitor that and uh, see what is going on. Um, so while we're waiting to see what uh, Sean Fain has got to say, um, <clears throat> yeah, UAW, this is a really significant strike, not just for um, not just for the UAW workers, but for the future of electric car and manufacturing industries, because um, that's, you know, part of what's at stake here in these negotiations. Um, what happens to those workers who are not based in fossil fuel based car manufacturing, but actually working in these battery plants and the other electric car manufacturing plants? which are because they're these partnerships with other companies, um, they are outside the current UAW contract and therefore they're getting paid like crap and they're working in conditions that are hazardous and they don't have the protections of the uh, union contract. So <clears throat> that's one of the things they're fighting for. They're also fighting against tiered labor. Um, you know, the, the basically saying, look, everybody should be hired in the same way, right? We're not going to basically sell out one group of workers so this other group of workers can get a little bit more for themselves. Um, you know, we see that divide and conquer tactic, uh, tactic happen again and again and again. But you all know this. You know what I'm talking about. We talked about this last week uh, quite a bit. Um, so, you know, they said unless there's significant um, developments in their um, negotiations, uh, they feel like any good faith negotiations on the part of the companies, then they're going to expand their strike. You know, um, they're going to call on additional plants to stand up and strike today um, if that is indeed what is going to happen. So while we're waiting for that, um, Republicans are set to shut down the government next week because, well, there's because, right, there doesn't seem to be any real good reason. Otherwise, they're really mad that they're uh, that Trump is getting prosecuted for crimes that he committed. Um, but it's just a, a shit show. Um, Kevin McCarthy, the head of the, you know, the Speaker of the House, the Republican leader, um, keeps on thinking there's a deal. And then these kind of, you know, the Freedom Caucus just kind of like, you know, they agree to something and then they, then they kind of bail on, on McCarthy, making McCarthy look like an idiot. And so he's getting all pissed off. Look, the whole Republican Party is in absolute chaos, deciding whether or not they want to kind of like like pay their fealties to Donald Trump or if they actually want to kind of get something done. And as we know, the Republican Party has become the party that is extraordinarily good at tearing things down, but does not know how to govern, does not know how to actually institute policy. The only policies that they know how to pass are policies against the most vulnerable people or for tax breaks for the rich. I mean, that's the only thing that they can do. Right. So there you have it. Um, so we'll, that's, you know, that's right on the, uh, right on the cusp. Uh, meanwhile, I got to give, you know, Biden some uh, really good credit this week. Um, he announced the creation of the American Climate Corps, right, which is modeled after the Civilian Conservation Corps during the New Deal. Now, this is a, a, a far less ambitious program, um, in part because, you know, you've got this, you know, the way that the uh, Congress is divided and the Republicans have to refusal to deal with this and probably some Democrats who don't want to kind of like spend money by investing in our future. 
Um, the American Climate Corps are going to employ about 20,000 people. Um, they are uh, just put up their webpage, um, and it's going to do a whole bunch of stuff. We're looking for training new, you know, these are going to be paid positions for young folks, um, looking for partnerships with unions, so they'll be kind of good paying, uh, paying jobs and training. I'll say like installation of solar panels, kind of repairing wetlands, um, kind of looking for f- um, wildfire forest mitigation, right? You know, the stuff that you do, you're supposed to do ahead of time, right? That there's just not enough people to do, um, given the fact that the climate is turning everything into, uh, you know, uh, everyone in a crisis mode. So just like happened the Great Depression, when you had, you know, uh, the New Deal put people to work through the, um, the uh, uh, Civilian Conservation Corps, sent out, built things in uh, um, national parks, right? You know, employed all the people, all these kind of, you know, like hundreds, uh, tens and tens of thousands of, of young American. Again, those were just young American men um, back then, um, mostly white, right, back then. Um, but took people off, you know, out of the unemployment rules and basically we're going to put to work doing actually good things. This time, not only the Biden administration is um, going ahead and creating this American cons- uh, a climate core through an executive action, because again, our government can't do anything. Um, our Congress can't do anything given the state of the Republican Party. So um, they're, you know, is they're going to go ahead and do this. And not only are they are they partnering with things like unions, but they're also working with tribal governments, also lo- working with um, in communities um, where you have some of the uh, people are going to have the, the greatest impacts, um, disproportionately impact by the most vulnerable communities. So going to working directly with them. I mean, this is an amazing step forward. And again, at the very least, like and again, I already hear people, you know, I've already seen people sniping about it, things like this. It's not enough and all that. I get that 100 percent. But as a proof of concept. Right. The idea that, you know, again, once you actually you can see what's going on, once young people actually begin to get this experience. Right. Once you actually see, oh, this is actually, you know, I, I don't have to work at at, you know, freaking McDonald's. Or I don't have to work at, um, you know, some crappy job and actually do something. And not only am I know that's going to be selling widgets at Walmart. Right. Um, to like, you know, people are greeting people at the Walmart. They know maybe I don't need to do that. Right. Maybe I could actually contribute to something that's actually going to be meaningful work like for the future. Right. By, you know, helping, you know, homeowners update their, you know, update their homes. I mean, it's a whole bunch of stuff that's that's in that package. So I'm going to put a link to it in today's uh, in today's notes. So you can check it out because it's like, you know, it's one of these little hopeful moments. Right. Um, so there's that coming up. Um, Looks like we're just about to go live on this uh, Sean Fain thing. So we're going to go live to that in a second, um, but uh, we're not there yet. Um, so one thing, let me start up with this and then uh, and then we'll switch over to the UAW announcement um, and then we'll go on. So um, you may have seen this already um, that Darren Lawson, right, who's been, you know, an active parent, um, parent activist, parent member, well, not even a parent activist, but I think he was a parent advocate, you know, for his kids and for his schools. Um, and he, uh, his lawsuit, right, he's suing the, uh, the Penridge School Board over its book banning policy. Like, um, as you recall, um, what had happened was the Penridge School Boards, you know, started basically pulling books from the shelves. And Darren Lawson basically said, okay, we're going to go ahead and I'm going to go take a look at some of these things. And there was a story at WFMZ last night and basically announcing that, look, that lawsuit is going forward. It's going to be in court this coming Tuesday. And um, 
uh, the story is basically this, and I'll just read from WFMZ's story. Um, Darren Lawson, he filed right to no request, and that's when he found information he got back from the school was intentionally changed. This policy 109 was enacted the prior year in September 2022, and that's when the school board voted to remove books it called age inappropriate from the high school library. But Lawson says there is a right to no request. He learned that books had already been removed before the vote even happened. The lawsuit alleges that when Lawson filed a right to no request asking for a list of, list of books taken out by non-students, um, none of those so-called controversial books came back in the school's uh, report to him. Court papers uh, say that he later found out through, oh, wait, hold on, I'm going to go switch over. Here we go. Good morning, UAW family. Before we get Sean started, Fain from UAW. I want to note a major organizing victory for our union. Last night, 2,900 graduate workers at Northeastern University voted by an overwhelming 94% to form their union with the UAW. Congratulations, first and foremost, to these workers who have fought a multi-year effort against intense employer opposition to win their union. Congratulations. And also to Regional Director awesome. Brandon Mancia and lead organizer Josh Gilbert for their great work on this effort. In Region 1, Direct action 400 gets the goods. workers at Lear, the auto parts supplier, just joined Local 155. Awesome. President William Verdeer and Recording Secretary Sylvanus Thomas worked hard to help bring these workers into our union. From auto to higher ed and everywhere in between, our union is organizing, growing, and building our power. It's not just new organizing, it's on the picket line too. Our 1,400 UAW members at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan just marked a week on strike. For years, the insurer has been outsourcing their work. Our UAW family at Blue Cross Blue Shield was once 5,000 strong. Today, it's shrunk down to just 1,400. And the workers that are left are stuck in a tiered system where it takes 22 years to get to top pay. Our members have said enough is enough, and they are being strongly supported by Secretary-Treasurer Margaret Mock Region 1A Director LaShawn English, and Region 1D Director Steve Dawes. They are all working together to raise awareness and build public support for this critical fight. Just yesterday, members of Local 259 in Region 9A struck for one day after their employer, an Infinity dealership on Long Island, refused to come to the bargaining table. Management was suddenly quick to move and they have set new dates for the negotiations. And at ZF in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, in Region 8, nearly 200 members of Local 2083 who make front axles for Mercedes are on strike after voting down a contract that would have raised health care costs, maintained tiers, and left workers behind economically. They're being supported all out by Region Director Tim Smith, and they will win. Outside Philadelphia, our local 644 members at Domodek are fighting for their fair share. The company's making a killing, but many workers don't make a living wage. Region 9 Director Dan Vicente, who comes out of Domatic, has their back. And some of you may know Dan was hospitalized after suffering sudden and severe complications from COVID. But the day he was discharged, he recorded a message of support for his Domatic family. Nothing can keep Dan or our union down. 
not far away in Dayton, New Jersey, our local 2320. I'm going to pause it for a second. <clears throat> running through a bunch of other kind of things that are going on. This is fantastic stuff, um, but I don't want to, um, you know, force you to listen to the entire thing. If you don't want to, you can click on that. Um, hopefully, we'll come back in a second and look for uh, the announcement. Um, but anyway, just to finish up with Darren Lawson's things, basically, basically found that the uh, that the school board had basically removed books from the school board library. Um, and then when when he requested them, they checked them back in. And then when then after they sent the reports, they checked them back out. Right. And so this is going through and this is basically, um, you know, court papers later found out um, that books had, in fact, been checked out by quote unquote non-students the same day. And, you know, they're basically, you know, playing fast and loose with the rules. And so, you know, this is what you get, right? Like I said last week, there's going to be, there's definitely going to be lawsuits that are going to be moving forward. And this is just the first one, trust me. So um, that goes to court on Tuesday um, within the Bucks County Courthouse. Um, and we're going to kind of see what happens here. So we'll go back to UAW. Top rate, frozen cost of living allowance, and tears that have left new hires without retirement security. The stand-up strike movement is not just about the big three. Everywhere, UAW members in the working class are ready to stand up against corporate greed and stand up for our communities. Finally, I want to lift up our members who have been holding a line at the Big Three for the past week. Local 2250, Region 4 in Wentzville, Missouri at GM. Local 12, Region 2B in Toledo, Ohio at Stellantis. And Local 900, Region 1A at Michigan Assembly in Wayne, Michigan. It's great. There's all these like UAW members coming in on, on their chat or Facebook. It's and creativity amazing. on the picket line. You might have seen some of the videos of music being played on the picket lines or the long lines of Jeeps and Broncos in organized caravans. We salute them, and all I can say is reinforcements are coming. Here we go. As we've said for weeks, we're not going to wait around forever for a fair contract at the Big Three. The companies know how to make this right. The public is on our side, and the members of the UAW are ready to stand up. Obviously, we're doing things differently this time around. Our stand-up strike strategy is designed to do one thing, win record contracts after years of record profits. We're focused on moving the companies at the bargaining table. That means maintaining our flexibility and our leverage to escalate as we need to. We can and will go all out if our national leadership decides the companies aren't willing to move. Right now, we think we can get there. Stellantis and GM in particular are going to need some serious pushing. Obviously, going on strike isn't something we take lightly, and it's not something we do without a clear strategy to win. So let's talk about our strategy at the Big Three and what's happening in negotiations. As you know, we gave our members demands to the company two months ago. They All right, maybe we'll come back in a little bit. So just going through, this is reviewing what's, uh, what's been going on at Stellantis, uh, or Stellantis Ford and GM, um, and give us the background. We don't have the announcement yet of whether or not they're going to add to the strikes. We shall see. I can tell you right now in the chat um, uh, for, on that video, you've got solidarity all the way. 
Um, local seven second shift, we're here ready. Local twenty three thirty five is standing in solidarity. Uh, local one sixty three UAW. Um, um, wait, who needs pushing? GM and Salantis need some pushing. Great to hear all these members uh, basically chiming in and saying that they're in support and solidarity and ready to roll. Uh, that's what you look at organized membership looks like, right? Um, you don't organize in private. Right? You organize in public. Like you let everybody know uh, what exactly is going on and you let your members, uh, you know, your members as part of the organizing stuff. Members are not kept in the dark. Um, that's pretty, pretty amazing. So, uh, and you know, this shows you what is this, what happens when you've got, you know, strong organized uh, uh, membership and you've got a leadership who's in communication with its members and they're, uh, they know what's at stake. It's clear what's happening at the negotiations table. Right. No one's kept in the dark. Right. Um, and they're clear about what the demands are. Right. Um, and what's going to happen. Right. Um, and what the line in the sand is. Uh, that's what you need. Right. I mean, that's precisely what you got going on there. So that's phenomenal. So anyways, yep, that was the thing. I want to say uh, Penridge School Board now starts to face lawsuits. Like I said, uh, that's going to um, court on Tuesday. Um, um, one other thing I wanted to point out, this is the, uh, you know, uh, this is, oh, shoot, you do that. Um, one of the things that I wanted to point out, um, I mentioned this, I think, on the show last, last Friday, that we had an ABSCUF uh, negotiations uh, town hall, you know, kind of for members only. Um, this coming, I think I said it was Tuesday. It was actually Wednesday. But my date screwed up. <clears throat> um, but um, yeah, we had a town hall and things like this. It was not. Uh, if you remember what I thought I was going to happen, that we're going to start to start hearing what we need to be starting thinking about <clears throat> some ultimatums, right? Like on our end, like, what do you want to give up? What are you going to prioritize? But that's not what it was. It was just kind of an update. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I mean, you know, it was good to listen to kind of what's going on. It was, didn't have a lot of details, um, but that's how, you know, ABSCOF has historically done its negotiations in private and members are, you know, we get little ideas about what's going on, but don't know exactly what's happening in terms of uh, the particulars, what the particular demands are, what the particular issues are at the table. Um, just, you know, it's a, um, it is what it is. Um, but one of the things that I thought was, was useful came out this week in, um, uh, you know, we get these, you know, newsletters from Abscuff and things like this. And one of the, uh, the, the researchers at Abscuff um, did some background looking at, um, faculty cost, right? Because we know that in in education, whether you're talking about K through 12 education or higher education, the number one cost is generally labor, right? I mean, uh, that because teaching is a, you know, is a labor intensive practice, you're working with students, you're doing all stuff, you, you need teachers to teach, right? And as much as they try to, uh, you know, bring in bots and have them pre recorded content or try to kind of like, you know, plug in modules, the student, you know, again, ultimately shows the most effective teaching is done by teachers and students, ideally with smaller classes. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. So what we've always heard over the years was that, you know, um, you know, uh, faculty cost and we got to keep costs down and blah, 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 blah. And uh, years ago, I mean, um, some of the folks at Kutztown, uh, Ken Aronsall and Glenn Richardson, actually did a study because we kept on hearing that the faculty cost, faculty cost, faculty cost. Uh, we got to find a way of cutting. We got to find a way of cutting because faculty cost, faculty cost. And they found out that, like, well, there's faculty actually productivity and the amount of um, 
the amount of money being spent on faculty or instructional costs actually was decreasing despite the fact that the university is saying that we're just, you know, we're, we're so top heavy. There's too many faculty members, all this other kind of stuff. Well, so that was years ago. It was like 2009. I think that we did that. Uh, they did that. I should say um, just this most recent research is very instructive for where we are in these, you know, these current rounds of negotiation. So here's some, just some results of this research. So instructional spending, right? So this is actually looking back to 2010. The reason why they're looking back to 2010 is because that's, you know, that's, that's the only, that, that's the benchmark, right? That's how the, the system is looking at stuff. And we've seen, you know, blah, blah, decrying all that stuff. But here, here you go. Instructional spending system-wide in fiscal year 2022 was the lowest it has been in any of the 13 years since 20, um, 2010 without even adjusting for inflation, right? So in other words, you adjust for inflation, it's going to be even less. So they're saying, look, just dollar for dollar, just just dollars. It's been the lowest it has been in any of the 13 years, right? Number two, adjusting for an inflation, instructional spending has decreased 27% between fiscal year 2010 and 22, right? So it's decreased. It's gone down more than a quarter in that period of time. As a share of operating expenses, instructional spending is at the lowest it has ever been system-wide, at 34% of cost in fiscal year 2022. The lowest it's ever been. This means for each of the 13 years that the chancellors looked or that the researchers looked at, two-thirds of the spending system-wide does not go to instruction, which is the revenue generated for our universities, right? So two-thirds of the money that the university is spending is going to something other than instruction, other than teachers in the classroom. That's a big question then. Well, where's it going? I know at Kutztown, we see, oh, we need a new manager. We need a new manager, right? We need new buildings. We need new beautification measures. We need new signage. We need new mascots. We need new PR campaigns, right? That's where it seems to be going, right? Because, or is it going to just debt that they incurred from their kind of like bad habits in the past? I don't know. It's good. But that's really good information to know. And then finally, operating expenses per full-time enrolled student, like full-time enrolled. Operating expenses per student system-wise are up 9% in real terms between fiscal year 2010 and fiscal year 2022. It's the same story. This is the same story we told like in 20, back in 20, uh, 2009, 2010. Like, their story is the same. Oh, my God, the crisis, crisis. Oh, my God, oh, my God. And the reality is, is that things are going in the exact opposite direction that they claim to be that the real spending is happening because of them, not because of us, not because of faculty, not because of students, but because of them and choices that they're making. Operating expenses per student are up 9%. In other words, students are paying more. Students are paying more and their money is going not to teaching. Two thirds of that money is going to something else. So we're negotiating this contract, right? What I'm hoping for is that we're going to learn what, where that money's coming from, where that money's going. That's the stuff I want to see. I want to see where they're actually spending their money, right? And if you remember back when, when Chancellor Dan Greenstein announced that he was going to consolidate these universities, there was a report that came from out of University of Massachusetts 
right? Independent analysis, basically saying he might want to talk about upgrading and changing and, you know, transforming higher education. But in the end, the only thing, what when the rubber hits the road, everything that Dan Greenstein is doing is simply about cutting labor and austerity measures um, dressed up in some happy Silicon Valley chat. Right? So that's where we're at. So more on that will be coming, obviously, as I learn more. Um, I definitely want to be talking about it more here. I'm sure that we're going to or it's going to happen in negotiations soon. Um, you know, we don't know what the holdup is um, for uh, having, you know, coming to an agreement. Um, you know, we're already just about, we're headed into October now, and we're still working without a contract. Um, so we'll see what goes on. Let me just check in quickly with uh, what's happening in the UAW, um, and then we're going to have to sign off because I've got to get going. DM offices in Mexico City. In Italy, 6,000 Stellantis workers recently went on strike. To our Italian Union family, your fight is an inspiration. We support you, and your struggle is our struggle. From South Africa to Malaysia, we continue to receive letters and messages of strength and support, encouraging our members to hold the line and win big. And we will. So now it's time to hit the picket lines across the country. It's time to show the companies we are united and we are fired up and we are ready for a record contract. It's time to stand up against corporate greed. It's time to stand up for our communities. UAW family, I'll see you on the picket line. There it is. Uh, fortunately, I was talking in the midst of that. Let me see if I can play back some of this to find out what exactly the announcement was. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> so here it is. Yep. Uh, additional plants going to be struck. Yep. Time to hit the picket lines once again. It said it has made real progress uh, towards uh, with Ford, but it ex um, expands its strikes against uh, rival automakers, General Motors and Stellantis, according to sources. Um, we shall see if that is what goes on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to do this, but I'm just trying to find out. I want a confirmation of what is going on. Yep. So here it is. Uh, 38 parts distribution, 38 parts distribution sites at Stellantis and General Motors in 20 states joined the stand-up strike as the two automakers lag far behind progress made in negotiations with Ford. So again, here they go. They're not going to expand their strike on Ford because, okay, this seems like Ford is, they say that it's made real progress. Um, but that means we're going to go even go even harder at Stellantis and General Motors. So we've got 38 parts distribution sites and Stellantis and General Motors in 20 states are joining the stand-up strike today um, at noon today um, as the two automakers, the Stellantis and GM, lag far behind. All right. That is, uh, that is something else, right? 38 GM and Stellantis parts distribution facilities are going to walk out at noon today. 
Um, this shows, this is amazing, right? This is kind of, uh, I don't want to say it's unprecedented because I'm sure there's been versions of this kind of stuff before, but this is an incredibly a unique strategy by the UAW uh, by escalating their, um, uh, their strikes against, uh, you know, those employers that refuse to, you know, negotiate in good, good faith. So here we go. All right, everybody, I'm looking at the time. I got to get out of here. Um, I'm sorry for the short show, um, but uh, it's been that kind of year, right? So here we go. Um, I'll be back with you next week, let you know what's going on. Uh, we got some kind of some stuff coming up that we're trying to figure out how to organize. Um, we're going to be at the PA Climate Convergence on Sunday, October 1st. Sunday, October 1st. Uh, yes, Sunday, October 1st. Uh, we're going to be there for that. Um, hope you can join us out there too as well. I have more details on that for you next week. And uh, I wish you all a good weekend. And uh, if you are like me, kind of uh, suffering from allergies or colds or you know, hopefully not COVID, um, that you get well soon. Um, and uh, I guess it's going to be a rainy weekend. So we'll see. I've got a bunch of family stuff to do this weekend. So I'm going to be kind of pretty much offline. Um, so uh, I'm going to try to soak in that joy as best I can as I recover from whatever the heck this is. All right, everybody, we'll take it easy. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. See ya! There are no people, there are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Ah.